Welcome to the Elevate Life Church podcast of the week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Keith Kraft. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit elevatelife.com. So glad you're here. And if you're a guest with us, go ahead and stand. And we ask you to put your hand over your heart. Let's make some declarations. Let's say this together. I am who God says I am, a child of God, the righteousness of God. I am the apple of God's eye. I am God's workmanship, created for good works. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Today, I open up my mind to receive the word of God so I can think like God, be like God, and do life the way God intended for me to live. Let's lift up holy hands. Say this with me. Come, Holy Spirit. Stop. Say it again. Come, Holy Spirit. Stop. Say it again. Come, Holy Spirit. Help me elevate my thinking so I can elevate my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. Are y'all ready? Um, hey, before you're seated, some of you already sit down. That's okay. But uh, you can join us if you like. Um, it is the National Day of Prayer. And I just want to tell you that uh, this is out of the ordinary. Uh, in fact, a National Day of Prayer usually happens around May. But uh, first of all, in the great state of Texas, our governor, uh, Greg Abbott, actually called for a Texas uh, Day of Prayer on this day. And shortly thereafter, our president uh, declared a National Day of Prayer. And that's for the people who are, have suffered, you know, devastation, have, have been displaced. And I just think while we're standing that, uh, that we ought to pray for the people of Houston, the people of Corpus Christi, the people that have been devastated. And guess what? We're not just praying. We're going. We're not just going. We're giving. In other words, that's what God's called us to do. So thank you for being that kind of church and being the hands and feet of Jesus. But right now, let's pray. Father, I just thank you that you love us. And Lord, I thank you today. Your word says that if any two or three of you gather together in my name, I am there in your midst. God, you will bring your super into our natural. And right now, God, we just pray for those that have been devastated, those that have been displaced. Lord, those that, that their lives have been upended because of these storms. God, we just ask today, just in, in South Texas, God, for your spirit to hover over that place. And God, just like there was a cloud that seemed to not move, God, I thank you that you're like a cloud that doesn't move. That God, you're the one that makes it rain and you're the one that stops the rain. So God, we just pray that you would pour your spirit out. God, even today as my friend Joel Osteen and Lakewood meets and thousands and thousands and thousands of people will gather there today. Even as my friend Bill Cornelius and Corpus Christi meets and thousands will gather there. Lord, all over South Texas, Lord, we just pray for a, a divine intercession. We pray for a divine interruption. And God, we just ask for your spirit to be poured out on the great state of Texas, Lord, and on the United States of America. God, your word says, if my people, and God, we are your people, who are called by my name, God, we're called by your name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. God, thank you that your ear is open to us today. God, your heart is inclined to us today. And God, we do repent. 
God, we do humble ourselves. God, we do ask that your spirit would come. God, that you would heal our land. And God, that you would touch people. And God, that you would rescue people. And God, that you would open the windows of heaven over their life today. God, we come into agreement. We thank you that the gates of hell cannot prevail against your church. And we thank you that your church is on the move in the earth. God, not just to restore people's lives, but God, to restore your kingdom to this earth. God, let this tragedy bring about great triumph for the glory of God. God, let your church arise and let our enemies be scattered. God, we ask for an outpouring like never before, an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. God, just as this storm is rushed in, God, I pray that your spirit would rush in. And God, I pray that your manifested glory would fill Texas, America, the earth, and what the enemy has meant for bad, God, you will use for good in the name of Jesus. We honor you today. We honor you today. We honor you today. Come on, let's just clap unto God. God, we give you honor. We give you praise. Oh, we have the privilege to be the church, ladies and gentlemen, family. We have the privilege of being the church. We have the privilege of being the hands and feet of Jesus. We have the privilege of giving. We have the privilege of praying. We have the privilege of going. And that's indeed exactly what we're doing in the name of Jesus. Amen. So you may be seated. Greet somebody on your way down. Tell them you're glad they're here and celebrating this day that the Lord has made together. I want to just announce to you, first of all, that on this National Day of Prayer, I want to read uh, Psalms 46. And I want you to be encouraged by this. God is our refuge. He is our strength. Always ready to help in times of trouble. Put a big amen on that. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. And then go to verse 10 in Psalms 46. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's army is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Let's take comfort in those words today and know that God is with us in our times of trouble. That God's heart, to those that are broken and of a contrite spirit, the Bible says that God's heart is drawn to those people. So today our heart is drawn to people that are hurting. You might be here yourself, and there's something going on in your life that, that maybe is worse than any kind of natural hurricane. Here's what I want to tell you. God knows exactly where you are, and he is, he is close to the brokenhearted, and he knows exactly where you are. And the good news is he doesn't leave you there. He brings you to a better place in the name of Jesus. But I want to just tell you that before I break the bread of life with you this morning, and we're going to stay in the rhythm of love. I can't get off of love, you know. God's wanting us to get this message of love in this world of hate. And, uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to uh, share that with you in just a moment. But I want to tell you a couple of things that are very important. And I hope you'll take very serious in this hour of our church. Um, first of all, I'm calling the church to a 21-day uh, fast on Tuesday. So that starts on September the 5th, and it will end September 25th. And so 21 days of fasting. Now, 
uh, there's some ushers that have some cards that describe what our fast is about. And so ushers, if you would like, on, on this card, actually on the back of it, describes the kind of biblical fast that you can be a part of. So we're not talking about just fasting water all 21 days unless you are really a wonderful Moses-like person. And that would be wonderful. I have done uh, one 21-day fast uh, with just water, and I would only recommend it if God really calls you to do that. But, uh, but I've done several 14-day water-only fasts, but there's all kinds of different fasts that you can do, Daniel fast, partial fast, three-day fast. And in the context of, of this fast, I would encourage you, if, if you're new at this, uh, first of all, it's very biblical. There's certain things that only come by prayer and fasting. And so just keep your hands up. The ushers will get to you. So raise them up high so they can see if you want one of these cards. And this will just help be a guide for you on what you're going to do. But let me just tell you what I personally do. Uh, I, I break it into seven-day segments. So for this seven days, I do this. For another seven days, I do this. For another seven days, I do this. And so part of what I do is for one seven-day, I do uh, like sun up to sundown. All I do is eat. And so that's part of my fast. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I don't eat. And so I, I don't eat from sunup to sundown. And so, you know, I would encourage you, if you've never done that, you know, you can have a protein drink during the day or something liquid, something like that, or just do water or whatever you feel led to do. But the point is, is just, just think in that way, okay, that, that you can do that. Another, uh, maybe one of the seven days, I'll take three days and just do water only. So, you know, it's, it's during that seven-day segment, that's part of what I, what I do. Another seven days... Uh, I might leave out certain foods and more like a Daniel fast. So don't think it has to be one thing or another, but let's just set aside the next 21 days starting on Tuesday. And the reason I did it Tuesday is because I'm a spiritual person and I wanted you to enjoy Labor Day and I wanted you to... <laughs> and I wanted you to eat as much as you can. I will be eating from sunup to sundown tomorrow and tonight. I just want y'all to know, and it will sustain me like a papa gorilla that I am uh, throughout the fast. But seriously, we we take this very seriously, and I wanna I wanna just encourage you to be a part of that. But how many of you will consider beginning September fifth through twenty fifth as a church fasting with us on some level? Praise the Lord! Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then I want to tell you two other important things, and I, I, I do not take this lightly. I don't play with it. But on Wednesday night, I want to invite you to be here. Wednesday night is our normal first fruits service. The first Wednesday of every month is always a time for our family, our church family, our family of choice to come together. And it's then that we do communion together. We do baby dedications. We do baptisms. If you've recently made a decision for the Lord or you've never been baptized, that's when we do baptisms at our church the first Wednesday of every month. But this one's going to be special. God put it in my heart. All of them are special. But God put it in my heart a few weeks ago. And really, I think it's given me a prophetic word. And we don't throw that out. We don't play with that in this house. You don't hear me talk about that very much because so many people play with it. I don't play with it. But I'm telling you, on Wednesday, there's going to be a prophetic word that comes out of this house that's going to put the eclipse into perspective, that's going to put this storm into perspective, and God's going to bring his super into our natural. And Wednesday is going to be very, very special. So I want to encourage you to be here. I want to encourage you to pray. I want to encourage you to believe that God will speak to us on Wednesday night, this Wednesday night. And then correspondingly to that, or corresponding to that, will be the one time that we come together as a church, we probably should do it every day, but I hope you're praying every day, but one time a month, uh, we come together as a church for corporate prayer. We always have a couple of hundred people, and that's awesome, 
But I would love it this Friday if we would have a couple of thousand people that would come together just for one hour this coming Friday, and we would just pray. And that's, there's always a time of worship. We worship the whole time. It starts right at 6, ends right at 7. So we're not going to keep you, but it's just a time where we gather together for prayer. And I think God is calling our church to fasting. I think he's calling us to prayer. I think he's calling us to a new place. I think these seats, I think this building are not going to hold the wave of what God is going to do in the future. I think he's stirring something in his spirit, and he's stirring something in the earth, and he's causing us to, to get prostrate, prostrate. I always get those mixed up, prostrate, sorry, before him and to pray. Y'all just pray for me. But anyway, so are you hearing my heart? Mainly hear God's heart. But Wednesday, this Wednesday, this Friday, let's pray together. And then, um, uh, and then if you'll be a part of our fast, that would be awesome. So let's get into the Word. Let's break the bread of life just for a few moments. And again, I'm honored that you're here. I'm honored that you're watching uh, on the Internet and a part of our family that way as well. When I started this Rhythm of Life series, Finding Your Rhythm in God, I didn't know that we were going to hang out on love, but I just know this is what God's saying. And you know what? If, you're, if you have an ear to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, this is what he's saying universally to the church. He is saying, we've got to love. We've got to love. We've got to do life differently. We've got to do marriage differently. We've got to do church differently. We've got to do kingdom differently. We've got to do it according to God's kingdom and according to God's rule. And that is we've got to do it on a much larger level with love. And everybody said, come on. Everybody said amen. So here's the elevated thought for this message. The way you love will determine the rhythm of how everything else flows in your life. It's interesting, the Bible says in Proverbs 4, verse 23, to guard your own heart because out of your heart flow your issues. See, we have issues with people. We have issues this with this person or that person or because of this or because of that. But here's what the Bible says. It's not them. It's not what they did. It's not what he said. It's not what the Bible says, guard your heart. Why? Because out of your heart flow your issues. If you got an issue, it's not because of them. It's because of your heart. And we have to take ownership of that. And that's why the rhythm of love is so important. Is because we don't love with our mind. We love with our heart. We don't love with our knowledge. Our knowledge messes our love up sometimes. But, but we love with our heart. And so with that said, the way you love will determine the rhythm of how everything else flows in your life. So in terms of the rhythm of love, we've talked about this the last few weeks. Let me just hit on a couple of things. Number one. We have to embrace God's most important command, and that's love. It's not a suggestion. It's not, hey, you really need to try this. It really works. You know, it wasn't Jesus sitting with his disciples going, hey, I want to talk to you about something. I really encourage you. I want to encourage you to love each other. No, he kind of brought it. He said, I want to give you this commandment. In fact, on two different occasions, two different lawyers, people of the law that knew the law very well, one of them came to Jesus in Matthew 22, and he said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? And the Bible says that he did this to test him. And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, and love your neighbor. This is important, he said, as, as important as the first one, love your neighbor as yourself. And then in Luke, the 10th chapter, another lawyer comes to him, and he says, uh, you know, to, again, to test him. And, and this time he didn't say, what's the greatest commandment? But this time he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And most of us, if, if, if we are going to, to inherit eternal life, it's going to be because we ask God to forgive us of our sins. And you would think, well, that would be Jesus' response. Just ask God to forgive you of your sins. 
But that's not what Jesus said. His answer for what must I do to inherit eternal life is the same answer as what is the greatest commandment. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he's trying to get us to understand how important love is. But not just to love, but to love all the way. And that leads me to my second thing. And that is that if you're going to find your rhythm in life with God, if you're going to get your heart in rhythm with God, you see, that's what love is. Love is when my heart beats for what God's heart beats for. When I learn to love God with all my heart and all my soul and all my strength, then he empowers me to love my neighbor as myself. Who's my neighbor? Luke 10, the the lawyer said. And he said, everyone's your neighbor. Everyone's your neighbor. And when I get in sync with God, when my heart beats for what God's heart beats for, and we stop and we say, okay, God, what is it that you're saying? And we, we can't just, you know, I can't just call my friend Joel and say, hey, man, you know, I, uh, I hope everything's going good down at Lakewood. And I hope, uh, can't call my friend Bill Cornelius and Corpus Christi and say, hey, Bill, I hope things are going well. But these are calls that were made before the storm hit. To not just say, hey, I hope y'all do good, and man, I hope everything works out, and I hope the media is sweet to you, and people don't hate on you, and all the stuff. But the truth is, I called before it happened and said, hey, I want you to know we're standing with you. And so whatever, we're, we're going to partner with you, and we're going to partner with our partner. None of us know what's going to happen. And can I just tell you that if we, can, if we can think like that to make provisions before the storm, just know this. That's why we have 29 trucks. That's why somebody in our church, I don't know if Veronica's here today. Veronica, are you here? So Veronica Birkenstock, who's running for Congress, you know, she, she came to us and said, listen, I, I'm going to partner with Operation Elevation for sure, but, but also I want to do something specific. So she, she's, she rent or got a semi-truck and just said, at your disposal. And so in Birmingham, Alabama, there's a distribution center that had no way to get supplies down to Houston. So we've got a truck designated, just Elevate Life Church, Operation Elevation, designated just to make runs all week long to take provisions. Just one truck, not counting the 29 trucks that have already gone down there, but just one truck running down there. Why? Because that's what God's heart beats for. So when tragedy happens and when storms happen, here's what I want to encourage you. If we can think like that pre-storm, just know God's thinking about that towards you. He's thinking about you before your storm. He's thinking about you before the trouble hits you. In fact, the Bible says, and I prayed it a moment ago, that God's heart is tender towards those that are brokenhearted. In other words, it, it, it gets his attention when you suffer. And today you may be sitting here and you may, be, you may feel hopeless. And that's what I love about my friend Joel, because he is the hope dealer. And the truth is, is that I've been praying for him and telling him, Joel, listen, you're not just going to bring hope to Houston, but you're going to bring hope to America, just like you bring hope to the world. And that's what God's called us to do, to bring hope, to bring hope and to bring help and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And people get all twisted up. They get all messed up because they think this should have happened and that should have happened. And I'm not here to defend anybody. What I'm here to tell you is we are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes, guess what? We miss it. Sometimes we're not perfect, but we are the hands and feet of Jesus and we are going to touch the world and we're going to help the hurting and we're going to heal the hurting and we're going to give, we're going to go, we're going to pray. And guess what? God is going to be the perfect one in this situation. But if God causes us to think like that, guess what? He is thinking like that towards you. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the first and the last. And he says, look, don't just love me. If you want to know what's most important to me, love all the way. Love all the way. Take a look at your notes. You know, when the Lord was speaking this to me several weeks ago, 
It's one thing for me to say to Sheila, my wife, hey, I love you all the way. It's one thing for me to say to a friend, hey, I, I love you all the way. But what, what does that mean? Like, what does love all the way mean? That's what we're calling our fast, by the way, love all the way fast. You see, loving all the way means, according to Scripture, first of all, to love deeply. To love deeply. We talked a little bit about this last week, but who wrote this? A man by the name of Peter. And it's recorded in 1 Peter, the fourth chapter. And I'm, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but here's what he says. Above all, love each other deeply. Listen, because love covers a multitude of sin. Wow, that's interesting. Love deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. What does that mean? Coming from this author, let me tell you what it means. Peter was the one, the disciple of Jesus, that, 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 that in many ways was the strongest one. Certainly the most outspoken one. Rough, tough fisherman, leader among leaders. One of Jesus' three, Peter, James, and John. He was very close to Jesus, and Jesus is, is with his disciples, and, and he's talking to him, and all of a sudden he changes the game. From John 13 to John 21, we see the last week of Jesus' life on display in living color, if you will, on the pages of the Word of God. One of the things that he says, he calls his most close, his closest circle to him. He says, hey, I'm going to give you guys a new commandment. And I can imagine in their mind, they're going, oh, man, a new commandment. I'm having trouble already with the other ones. <laughs> but Jesus, out of his heart, he's looking right into their eyes, into the, their soul, into their heart. And he looks at him. he says, there's this new commandment I need you to really get. I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, we got that. Oof, I thought it was going to be something hard. And then he drops this one. He says, and don't just love your neighbor as yourself, but I want you to love others like I love you. You see, the truth is, the love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself as the second one. Most of us don't do that very well because we, we kind of have, we have trouble, some of us, with self-love because we know us. We have trouble with loving ourselves the way we need to be loved because we know ourselves. And all mixed up into ourselves is our sin and our shame and our weaknesses. And we, 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 we know ourselves. And so Jesus said, I'm going to give you all a new commandment as I, as I give you some final words. I want you to love each other now as I've loved you. It's a whole nother level. You see, this was written, how do you love all the way? When Peter said love deeply, this was the guy that was sitting at the table and he heard that. And he was also the guy just a few days later that was sitting at the table and what we, has become known as the Last Supper. And he's sitting with Jesus and and. And all of a sudden, Jesus said, somebody at this table is going to betray me. Somebody, somebody's going to betray me. These were Jesus. These are the closest people in Jesus' life. Somebody at this table is going to betray me. And Peter said, I, listen, all these guys might betray you, but it's not going to be me. I can tell you that. I can tell you it's not going to be me. And Jesus looks at him and he says, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three different times. Peter said, I will go to prison for you. I, I, listen, I would never deny you. And Jesus said, and when you have repented, just know I'll be here. This is the man that wrote later on, above all, love deeply. 
Loving all the way starts with you loving deeper than somebody's sin has cut you deep. Loving deeply. After Peter denied Jesus three times and then the cock crowed and then he remembered what Jesus said. Just a day, a 24-hour period. Sometimes we forget what we say. Have you ever had somebody say something to you? And then you go, wait, you said this. No, no, I didn't really say that. Jesus dies. He ra- but before he ra- he's raised from the dead three days later, but before he ascends to heaven, he, he hangs out in the earth and reveals himself to his disciples and to 500 people at one time, different accounts of Jesus revealing himself. But one of the people that he revealed himself to was Peter. And he, he looks at Peter and he says, do you love me? He goes, what do you mean do I love you? You know I love you, Lord. He said, then feed my lambs. He said, do you love me? And Peter, the second time, said, you know I love you, Jesus. Why are you asking me if I love you? He said, feed my lambs. Then I can almost hear it this way. How deep is your love? Ah." Wait, what? I'm not asking you if you love me. Listen, I'm asking you how deep do you love me? He said, you know I love you. You see, the first one was a love that in the Greek, it's a friend love. It's a philo love in the Greek. The second love was almost like an, an eros love. A, 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 not, a, not so much, it's where we get the word erotica from, but not, not so much like, a, like an erotic type of love, but, 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 but a love that stems from almost a romance. Almost like, like I, you know, I, I love you deep. But then... Do you really love me, Peter? The third time, and this, is, this, this love is agape love. Do you, do you love me unconditionally? Do you love me unwaveringly? Do you love me no matter what? Yes, Lord, you know I love you that way. That's the man who wrote these words later when he would say, above all, love each other deeply. Why? Because it covers a multitude of sins. I don't know about you, but I know I've needed some sins covered. How have you needed some sins covered by the blood of Jesus Christ? That's why Jesus died on the cross, because he knew we were sinners. But then loving all the way doesn't just mean to love deeply. I want to close with this. It means to love extravagantly. To love extravagantly. You say, what does loving extravagantly mean? Let's look at what what the Bible says about extravagant love. If I speak with tongues of men and angels, which is pretty spiritual but I don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains, that's another whole level of spirituality. But I don't have love, I am nothing. But then listen to this. If I give all my possess, that all that I possess to the poor and give my body over to hardship that I may boast, but I don't have love, It doesn't mean anything. So what is extravagant love? Here it is. But let's change the name love to Jesus. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus does not boast. 
Jesus is not proud. Jesus does not dishonor others. Jesus is not self-seeking. Jesus is not easily angered. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil but rejoices in truth. Jesus always protects. Jesus always trusts. Jesus always hopes. Jesus always perseveres. But let me change it. To not just love and not just to Jesus. But when Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, I want you to love people the way I've loved you. Here's what he's saying. And I'll use you, Mr. Greg Sr. Greg is patient. Greg is kind. Greg doesn't envy. Greg doesn't boast. Greg is not proud. Greg does not dishonor others. Greg is not self-seeking. Greg is not easily angered. Greg keeps no records of wrongs. Greg does not delight in evil but rejoices in truth. Greg protects and Greg trusts and Greg hopes and Greg perseveres. And verse 8, Greg never fails. You see, why does God want you to love extravagantly? Because he knows your love is the key to you never failing. Let me say that again. Why does God want you to love all the way and love deeply and love extravagantly? Because he doesn't want you to fail. The word fail there in the Greek is is spelled in English, P-I-P-T-O, pipto. Here's what it means. It's like a warrior who's standing in a fight and all of of hell, in in fact, it doesn't matter how much of hell is coming against him. You see, a warrior in that case which is a love warrior, never fails. God is saying, you're like a warrior who stands in the storm. You're like a warrior who stands in the fight. You're like a warrior who's been judged. You're like a warrior who people come against. But because of love, because you're patient, because you're kind, because you don't hold a record of wrongs against people, because you're not easily angered, because you're like Jesus, when the devil looks at you, he doesn't know if he's seeing Jesus or you because the armor of God is on you and you are a warrior that stands in that place and chooses to love. Chooses to love. Chooses to love. Can I tell you, I choose love. I choose love. How about you? I choose love. What do you choose? Anger? What do you choose? Resentment? What do you choose? To keep a record of wrongs? How many of you are glad Jesus doesn't pull out a laundry list and say, hey, listen, I, I, <laughs> you might be doing good right now, but does she know this? Does your boss know this? Does, and I don't know what it's in people except the devil and hate that would want to keep a record of wrongs against people. It's not God's heart. And you don't win like that. The Bible says this this way in the Message Bible, love never dies. Inspired speech will, will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. We know only a portion of the truth, and what we say about God is always incomplete. How many of y'all know whatever you know about God, it's incomplete? Come on. There's a lot more to know. But when the complete arrives, 
our incompletes will be canceled. When I was an infant, the Bible says, at my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like an infant. When I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in the fog, peering through a mist, but it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then, see it all as clearly as God sees, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But for now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us towards that consummation. And here's what the Bible says in the Message Bible. First, trust steadily in God. Have faith. Secondly, hope unswervingly. Keep on hoping against hope. And then I love this third one. Love extravagantly. But remember, the best of these is love because love never stops. How deep do you love? How extravagant is your love? You know what happens to our heart? I've said it for the last few weeks. Our heart gets left in that person that left us. Our heart gets left in that broken situation. Our heart gets left in that angry place. Our heart gets left in that bitter place. Our heart gets left with the passing of a loved one that we love so much. Our heart, and all of a sudden, we're not loving God all the way because we don't have a heart all the way. I charge you in the name of Jesus, starting today, take your heart back. 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 Take your heart back from the person that you left some of your heart with that, that broke it. Take your heart back. When you love extravagantly, three things happen. First of all, you do what God calls is the greatest. And by the way, that makes God happy. Hey, they're loving when they could hate. Hey, they're being patient when they could be impatient. Hey, they're being kind when they could be mean. Hey, they're honoring when they could be showing dishonor because they've got a reason to dishonor somebody. But guess what? They're on my side when they're giving honor where honor is not due. They're on my side when they're honoring because of who they are. And greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. When they choose to give honor rather than they're, they're, they're on They're on my side when they take the eraser to the wrongs that have been done against them. They're on, they're on the, the winning team. In fact, they're setting themselves up that love never fails, so they'll never fail. And guess what? God is saying, I want you to love like that. Jesus pled with his disciples, love that way love extravagantly and when you do you're obeying what God calls the greatest but here's the second thing you're overcoming evil with good how of you know there's a whole hell of a lot of evil in the world let me say that again there's a whole hell a lot of evil in the world but can I tell you something greater is he that's in you and in us than he that's in this world. And there's a whole lot of heaven that's going to override the hell that is in the world in the name of Jesus. That's what we're doing every time we choose to love. But here's the last thing when you love extravagantly. Here's the last thing that happens. You cancel catastrophe. You mean by loving extravagantly, I cancel catastrophe? That's what the Bible says. Let's look at it. Joel, the second chapter, the 13th and 14th verses. Listen to this. Change your life, not just your clothes. Let's stop right there for just a second. My little son, now that it's my big son in whom I'm well pleased, I don't know if you've noticed, but he wears just about the same thing every weekend. I don't know if you've noticed that. That stems all the way back, Pastor Precious. If you see Josh, he's going to show up in black. If you looked in his closet... He's got black and black. Unless I make him have something white or a different color. 
It stems way back to his childhood. When he started dressing himself, he's about two years old. That'd be right, Sheila. He'd walk in our room with the same thing on he wore yesterday. His mother looked at him and said, you can't wear that again, Josh. You go, I, I, I want to wear this. And it was a fight his whole life raising him. Now I don't fight with him. I just go, Josh, just dress up the black sometimes. You can, you can wear black every day. And he does every day. You know why? Because it's easy. He don't have to think about it. He goes to his closet. <laughs> I raised him. His Aunt Darlene, family of choice, took him to camp one time. What was the name of that camp? Camp Drygulch in Oklahoma. And for five days, he wore the same clothes. <laughs> the camp counselors came to Darlene the fifth day and said, please, please, would you have little Josh change his clothes? The smell didn't matter. What was on him didn't matter. He just felt good in those clothes. For the glory of God and the glory of others around, he changed his shirt. And they were able to finish camp. See, Josh is okay with being alone. I don't know if you know that. So him wearing the same clothes and having the stench that goes with it. But let me just tell you something. There's a whole lot of people that every day, they're taking their natural clothes off. And they put them in the wash and they wash them or they dry clean them. They wouldn't think about wearing the same thing every day but yet they wear the same attitude every day. And they wear the same anger every day. And every time they show up in your world or show up on some thread, they're saying the same thing every day because they've changed their clothes, but they haven't changed their life. Love changes your clothes and changes what you're clothed in. And that's why the Bible says, clothe yourself in love. You see, loving extravagantly cancels catastrophe. Change your life, Joel said, not just your clothes. Come back to God, your God, and here's why. God is kind. God is merciful. He takes a deep breath. He puts up with a lot. This most patient God, extravagant in love, always ready to cancel catastrophe. Who knows? Maybe he'll do it now. Maybe he'll turn around and show pity. Maybe when all is said and done, and I prophesy this over every person here and over every person that's watching on the internet, there will be blessings full and robust for your God. Come on. Come on. Can I give you some good news? God's canceling your catastrophe today. Can I give you some good news? God's canceling the catastrophe in Houston, Texas. Can I give you some good news? God is canceling the catastrophe in Corpus Christi. Can I give you some good news? We are the body of Christ. And when we love, it overwhelms the catastrophe that Satan brings into your life and into people's life. Come on. Love, love, love. It cancels catastrophe. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Make sure to get your copy of Pastor Keith Craft's book, Your Divine Fingerprint, 
and visit elevatelife.com for other exciting new content from Elevate Life Church.